It's amazing how the Christmas story truly changed the world. We celebrate the light of the world, Jesus Christ, but the Christmas story tells us that God changed the world by sending his light here to this earth. In fact, we know God changed the world through the Christmas story because the world changed its calendar system based on this historical event. Literally, the entire world changed, and now we measure history based off of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is an amazing story for us to share and celebrate together as a family of faith because it's a powerful story where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords stepped off a throne and he stepped into a manger. The Word became flesh and he dwelt amongst us and he chose to dwell in that manger on that first Christmas day. And this morning, I want us to look to the Christmas story. And we're going to look to this story, and we're going to see that the story focuses on that manger in Bethlehem. But we're going to see how God changed the world through that manger. But I also want you to see this today, that God is still changing the world through that manger. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, and what we see in this story is that Jesus changes things for those shepherds. And in the same way, he will change things for you and for me, because God has sent his light into this world. So if you have your Bible, join me in Luke chapter 2. We're going to see Dr. Luke's account of the story, and we're going to take a look at this. We've been studying this in recent weeks, but we are going to conclude this passage today. But I'm going to begin in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. We're told in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We're told in the same region in verse 8. And for some of you, you've been with us in recent weeks. We are concluding today a series called The Heart of Christmas. And we've been looking at the heart of the Christmas story here in Luke chapter 2. But we're told in that same region in verse 8. And what is that region? Of course, it's Bethlehem. And if you don't know the story, the story begins earlier in Luke chapter 1 when Mary, a teenage virgin, has an encounter with Gabriel, an angel. And the angel tells Mary that you have been chosen and found highly favored by God because he says you will conceive a child through the Holy Spirit and his name will be Jesus and he will save the world from its sins. And Mary says, how can it be? I am but a virgin. And the angel reminds her as he reminds us that nothing is impossible for our God. And he says, you will have this child. And she hears that story and then she tells that story to Joseph, who had a few questions, as you can imagine. So we're told in Matthew chapter 1 that God sent actually a vision to Joseph, a dream, so that he could hear that this was good news of great joy for all people. This was nothing to be scared of. So Joseph receives that message. He receives the message from the angel and from, from Mary as well, that this is a child to whom he has been entrusted with. And then we're told that she advances in her pregnancy. Until you get into Luke chapter 2, she's advanced and she's come far along in the process. But of course, as we all know, she had to make it to Bethlehem. In the preceding verses of Luke chapter 2, we're told a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. 
And he issued a decree that all had to go to their hometowns to be recorded in a census, which meant for Joseph, he had to lead his family from Nazareth, about 100 miles south, to Bethlehem. And this was a big journey, but he had to go there because he was a descendant of the line of David. And though he resided in Nazareth, his hometown was counted as Bethlehem. Now, for some people, they would look at that and they said he took his pregnant wife all the way to Bethlehem because Caesar made him, but I would argue it's because God ordained him. God called him to Bethlehem because years before, God had told Micah in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, he had told Micah that when the Savior comes, he will be born in Bethlehem. So then God uses Caesar in his position because he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He uses that lower king to issue a decree to accomplish his perfect purposes. So Joseph saddles things up. He gets his wife, and they start making the 100-mile journey uphill into the mountain and hillside of Bethlehem. And of course, if you know the story, you know that things go south real quickly. She goes into labor. There's no room in the inn. And instead, Mary has to bring the Savior of the Lord into the world, most likely in a cave in Bethlehem. And we're told after she gives birth to the Messiah, she lays him in the manger, which is a feeding trough for the animals. And we're told in verse 8, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. And these shepherds have an encounter in the darkness. The glory of God comes down to this earth. It's shown through those angels, and the angels have a proclamation to those shepherds. It's the same proclamation to us today. They say, fear not, he says, Gabriel, for I am bringing good news of great joy for all the people. And when you talk about the heart of the Christmas story of really what is Christmas all about, Christmas is good news of great joy for all the people. And we've talked about this in recent weeks in this sermon series that Christmas is good news. And why is it good news? The good news is Emmanuel. God is with us. And we celebrate this good news that God is with us. And not only that, he's for us. And because he's for us, we know that he will never leave us. God is for us. This is good news, and he is with us through Jesus Christ. But that good news should also lead to great joy, the angel told the shepherds. Because the joy comes through our salvation that now we have an opportunity to have a real relationship and experience the presence of God. And Psalm 1611 tells us there is a fullness of joy in the presence of God. So therefore, there is great joy that comes with this good news of Jesus Christ. But the best part of that proclamation was that that good news of great joy was available for all the people. And you think about the guest list. Who is hearing this proclamation? And really, it's an invitation to come and meet Jesus. You have shepherds who are outsiders, outcasts amongst the Jews because they were dirty and unclean. You have an account of the wise men being called in who were pagan astrologers, mystics, who had dabbled with the dark arts. They're called in. You have Joseph, a small-town carpenter. He's called in. You have Mary, a teenage ordinary girl. She's called in, and they're all called to come and see that manger, to come and see Jesus Christ, to know him. And that is good news of great joy, and it shows us it's for all the people. And that's why today I want to especially let you hear that. That message is for you. It's for all people. And Christmas, sometimes rooms like this, it brings in some people who have been in church every week. For some, it brings in people who perhaps have not been in church all year. Can I tell you that good news is equal for all of us? 
It's for all people. It's good news of great joy for all the people. And God invites outsiders to be insiders in Bethlehem because he wants you to know there's room for you too. It's good news of great joy, and it's for all the people. But then they're called to go and see Jesus themselves. In verse 12, we're told, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The shepherds are called to go to a manger. And there is where they'll find that good news in Jesus Christ. And what I want us to see is what happens with the declaration of that manger. Because three things are going to happen. Three things are going to shift right in front of those shepherds because of the manger. The first one comes out right there in verse 13. We're told suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We're told the good news was so good the angel needed backup. And it's not just him. We're told a multitude of the heavenly host shows up. And what is a host? The Greek word is actually stratia. And do you know what that means? It means army. That God actually sent an army to come and back up that angel. And God's army comes down to earth before those shepherds. And the army starts singing, but what is it that we're told they did? We're told they praised God, that the army came to praise the Lord, at the declaration that he had come and that he is lying in a manger. And what we see is that manger changes some things right there in Bethlehem. And the first is this, the manger brings praise. The manger brings praise. Those angels start praising God because God has come down into that manger. And the manger brings praise on this earth. And why is it that the angels are praising? Partly it's because that is really in part of what angels were created to do. In fact, if you read Revelation chapter 5 and 7, you'll see there are multitudes of angels that are constantly praising the Lord even right now in heaven. That they praise the Lord. But it's interesting that in Job chapter 38, verse 7, we're told that actually angels praised God in his creation of this world. But what you see in Luke chapter 2 is you see angels praising God in a new creation through Jesus Christ. Because the angels see what's happening in front of them. They understand that through this son who is in that manger, God is going to make all things new. That God created it and we're told it was good and Satan entered into the picture in Genesis 3 and brought sin to this world. So God sent his son into this world and the angels see it and they say that God is about to make all things new. They see a new creation that's about to be started through Jesus Christ. They know that that child laying in the manger ultimately is the glory of God. If you think about what they sing there, they say glory to God in the highest. And they know the glory of God because they came from the highest. They've seen the Lord, spent time with him in the throne room, and here they're singing about his glory on this earth. And the reality is the earth had tasted a glimpse of God's glory in the Old Testament. Because did you know that God revealed his glory there to Moses and he had to hide? He revealed a taste of his glory to prophets. In fact, he sent his glory to the tabernacle and the temple. But Ezekiel tells us that God's glory then was lifted from the temple 
because of the sin of mankind. But what the angels see is that now God has sent his glory to this earth through his son, Jesus Christ. Because we're told in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. You see, the angels see that God has sent his glory through Jesus Christ into this world, and they're proclaiming glory to God because God is starting a new creation. He's going to make all things new, and they can't stop singing about it, and it leads them to praise the Lord. And I will challenge you this Christmas. Tomorrow there will be praise that will come in your house. I have no doubt about it. Many of us will be singing songs of praise over the gifts that we receive under that tree. And praise be to God, I hope you get some wonderful gifts. For some of us, we will be singing praises to the cook for all the things we're going to eat and the things we've been eating in recent weeks. And we should sing praise to all the labor that will be done in the kitchen. For some of us, we will sing praises about our football team winning here in a few days, or some of us will be lamenting, probably like me, for my team most likely losing. But nonetheless, we will sing praise over sports this holiday season. But make sure amidst all of that, you sing praise for the Lord Jesus Christ. You sing praise to God. The angels saw what was happening, that God sent his Son. And God's starting something new in this world through Jesus Christ. And God can start something new in your life as well. And that's why we sing praise. The manger brings praise to this world. But also what you see in this text is the manger brings peace to this world. Because as you continue in that song, they sing glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's interesting that there's a proclamation of peace coming from these angels. And why is that? It's because what did I tell you these angels are? They're an army. And armies normally don't sing about peace. They sing about war. But yet these angels, they are not making a proclamation of war. They're making a proclamation of peace. And why would an army sing about peace? It's because this army knew Jesus Christ was going to win the war. They knew that Jesus Christ was actually coming on a battle, on a mission to this earth. And you see, Jesus Christ comes to that manger, but they know that Jesus will grow in wisdom and stature. And they know that Jesus Christ one day will grow and he will win the war over sin and death. You see, Jesus Christ grew and he became this man, this teacher, this leader amongst the Jews. But while he was fully man, he was also fully God. And as such, he defeated sin. For you and I, we can't defeat sin. In fact, we lose to it every single day. Every hour, every minute, we lose to sin. But Jesus never lost that battle. Instead, he won every time. Even Satan himself tried to defeat him, and Jesus overcame, and Jesus defeated sin, but then he defeated death. That though he was crucified, he was raised on the third day. And in doing so, Jesus defeated the power of sin and the bondage of death. And you and I can find that freedom as well. That's why the angels then sing, peace has come. That there's peace that's available through Jesus Christ. Because not that the angels have to win the war, it's because Jesus himself has won that battle for us. And we're told one day Jesus will return. 
And when he comes, he will defeat Satan once and for all, and then he will make all things new. And because of this reality, those angels sing peace among those with whom he is pleased. They are saying peace is available through Jesus Christ because Jesus has won the war. And it's interesting this peace they sing of is different than the peace we find in this world. Jesus communicated this himself in John 14, verse 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. You see, Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace. But he said, my peace is not like the world's peace, the peace that the world gives you. Because what kind of peace does the world try to offer you? The world will try to offer you peace from external forces. The peace that the world tries to offer you is peace from hardships. And usually it comes through saviors of money and good health and good jobs and good relationships and good food and good substances. But the reality is none of those things actually give us peace because all of those things eventually are broken. They're broken. But when Jesus says, I've come to give you peace, he's not talking about external peace. He's talking about internal peace. That's why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Through faith in Jesus Christ, he gives us a peace that Paul says surpasses all circumstances. So now all, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding and it preserves in all circumstances because Jesus Christ has come into this world. So the manger brings this message of peace, and that message of peace is available to you today as well. John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so you can have peace in me. In this world you will face trouble, but behold, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, in this world, buckle up, it's not easy. You will face trouble, just as Jesus faced trouble on this earth himself. But he said, behold, I've already overcome the world, and peace I give to you, that when you enter into a life-changing relationship with the light of the world, Jesus Christ, he gives you a peace that the world has no, has, does not have to offer. That's why the angels start singing, glory to God, and peace among those with whom he is well pleased. The manger brings praise here on this earth, and it brings peace to our hearts. But then thirdly and finally, the manger brings new purpose. The manger brings us a new purpose. In verse 15, we're told, the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The angels say, let us go and let us see. They said, we've heard this message of peace, but let us go see. And what you see happen there in the text is these shepherds that were called shepherds and they're tending to their flock. Now they're called into the presence of God. They're given a new mission and a new purpose. And they said, let us come and see. Let us experience him ourselves. And this is what Jesus does is he calls us into relationship with him. He gives us a new purpose in this world. That's why Jesus, as he grew, he went and found fishermen and he would call them to leave their nets and to follow him. That he gave them new purpose. And when you come to the light of the world, Jesus Christ, what happens is he gives you new purpose. 
In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we're told this. We're told, for by him, Jesus Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, whether visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And what I want you to catch there is all things were created for him. And I want you to hear me in this room. You were created for Jesus Christ. You were created for him. You were created by him and through him, but also you were made for him. And when you discover that your purpose is to know him, what you find is peace. And that peace leads you to praise because Christ has come and he's changed all things. And Jesus Christ gives this invitation to all of us. He says we can come and we can follow him. In fact, he gives seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, but perhaps my favorite one is in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Jesus gives this beautiful invitation. He says, I'm the light. And God sent his light into the darkness of this world. And Jesus says, if you simply follow me, you'll no longer walk in darkness, but instead, he says, you will receive the light of life. When we discover that our purpose is to know Jesus Christ, what we actually find is life. Jesus said he came to give us life and life abundantly. And that's why we light up this room, which we will here in just a moment. We celebrate that the light has come. And for those of us that receive that gift of salvation, God lights up our lives, and now we can find life. Life eternal, but life to the full here on this earth. But what Jesus tells us is that since he put that light in us, he's actually called us to share it with others. That's why he calls this church the light of the world, and he says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And in a moment, we're going to celebrate that the light has come, but we're going to pass that light to one another to light up this room. Because what we're going to see is that with Christ in us, we truly can make a difference in this world. Because God has given us peace, and he's also given us power. And with that power, he's called us to walk according to his purposes. And when we follow his plans, we make an impact in this world.